It's a terrible event. We are bringing you breaking news, developing news of shooting attacks on two mosques in the New Zealand city of Christchurch. It's inevitable that a film at some point will be made about it. New Zealand is struggling after a terror rampage. Then the question is, well, who should make that? Who has the right to make that? And there's no easy answer to that question. Kia ora, I'm Emil Donovan. 51 lives were lost on March 15th. And two years on... A film is to be made about the Christchurch mosque attacks with the Australian actress Rose Byrne cast as Jacinda Ardern. A petition calling for a Hollywood film about the Christchurch mosque attacks to be shut down has now gathered close to 60,000 signatures. We're going to continue the momentum to ensure that the They Are Us movie is shut down completely and that we potentially get word from the director, Andrew Nichol, that they recognise the issue with this movie and the lack of consultation that went into it. Understandably, there's been strong backlash. It feels very soon and very raw, uh, you know, for New Zealand. I think the movie itself is very distasteful. Um, It completely feeds into this white saviour mentality complex, and, and I think it's just completely insensitive. But it's not all one way. The Muslim Association of Canterbury says it's working with the producers, and some survivors of the attack have said they have no problem with the film being made. I don't have any problem with it. There's a lot of racism still going on all over the world, but the Fiji get at peoples and try to stop this racism and it doesn't harm me or doesn't harm anybody else in any way. We should go ahead. Nonetheless, there are serious concerns. People are worried the film will get the Hollywood treatment, that it's a money grab or it might glorify the violence that it will centre the Prime Minister's response and deify a Pākehā political leader, that it hasn't appropriately consulted with the Muslim community, that the voices of those most affected by the shootings will be drowned out or, worse, not sought at all. And some people just think it's too soon, that a dramatisation of one of the most traumatic events in this country's history could tear open wounds which have barely begun to heal. Today on The Detail... They are us. The film, which doesn't even have a draft screenplay, but the very idea of which has enraged much of the nation. I got a call from the media, and that was the first time I knew anything about the project, uh, and they called me for for comment as someone who'd made, a, I guess, a film about another well-known New Zealand tragedy. Help you. Called you better for the police. Great. David Grant? Oh, yeah. Put the way for you, mate. Rob Sarkis is a filmmaker. In 2006, he directed a movie called Out of the Blue, which told the story of the 1990 Aramoana massacre, in which David Gray killed 13 people, including children, at a small beach settlement near Dunedin. In the immediate aftermath of the March 15 attack, he knew it was inevitable that someone would make a film out of it. I never considered approaching the community to do that myself because my strong feeling at the time was that a film about what happened there needs to be born out of the community, ideally from a Muslim filmmaker. That was my opinion at the time. That doesn't stop anyone trying, but it felt, you know... In the days after, it felt inevitable because it's such a 
important New Zealand event and also I think that the response to it not just by the Prime Minister, but by the whole country, was actually pretty extraordinary and uh, 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 you know, a bit of an exemplar for how a country should respond, I think, to this sort of event. You know, Very much the opposite to the kind of political response we have had over the last several years in America to these kind of events. So you know, I don't think it's a wholly negative thing that a film is contemplated uh, about this event uh, because while it's awful... It's also, in its own way, in terms of the the, the response, seems strange to say, but it's kind of beautiful as well. Um, It made me feel proud to be a New Zealander. So (laughs) it's uh, it's tricky, isn't it? It's, um, It's a terrible event. It's inevitable that a film at some point or a TV series or whatever will, will be made about it. Then the question is, well, who should make that? Who has the right to make that? And there's no, there's no easy answer to that question. Um, you know, sometimes within a community, uh, there aren't the skills or the filmmakers or no one actually wants to. And so sometimes it does take an outsider to, to come in and talk to a community and, um, I guess, help frame their story. It's a really complex issue. I just knew when I heard about the event that, um, while someone would inevitably make a film about it, uh, that person would not be me. There's been a lot of speculation about the story this film is going to tell. So here's what we actually know about the proposed production. Late last week, trade publication The Hollywood Report announced a project to be written and directed by New Zealander Andrew Nichol which would show events in the week following the mosque attack. The working title is They Are Us, the words the Prime Minister spoke in the immediate aftermath. Australian actress Rose Byrne is set to play the role of Jacinda Ardern. Andrew Nichol will also produce the film alongside Stuart Till and filmmaker Ayman Jamal. Auckland-based producer Philippa Campbell was initially involved with it, but pulled out following the backlash. Campbell just released a statement uh, around midday saying that she deeply regrets the shock and hurt the announcement of the film has led to throughout the country. The Hollywood Reporter's piece said the film is billed as an inspirational story about Jacinda Ardern's response to the tragic events. But after the original backlash, Ayman Jamal gave more detail about what might be expected, saying it will also tell the stories of worshippers at the mosque on that day, including Abdul Aziz, the unarmed man who chased the gunman away, Farid Ahmed, who publicly forgave his wife's murderer, and the Muslim surgeon who saved the life of a four-year-old girl wounded in the attack. Now, Ayman Jamal would say that. He's a movie producer who's been criticised for abruptly announcing a project about a massacre in New Zealand, seemingly having consulted superficially on it. But there is an interesting philosophical question here. What is the point of making a film out of... A horrifying event. I believe the the human point of doing that is as a way of collectively processing the event. Mm. And I believe this quite strongly. I think when something when something personally tragic happens to any of us, we personally process that by talking about it. It's the best thing we can do. We talk to our friends, we talk to our family. It's what funerals are all about, right? And that's how we cope. That's how we process. We 
over time actually turn the events of our own lives into story. So as a storyteller, I think that's our role, is to help an entire nation process an event. And I think that's a valid role. You know, I think it's too, too easy to say, oh, filmmakers are trying to exploit for financial or any other reasons these sort of tragic events. I mean, you know, perhaps that sometimes is the case. <laughs> it depends on the filmmaker, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. But um, I, I think there is a role, an important role, that story, film story, can play in how we as a collective community, as a culture, uh, uh, process and understand and ultimately accept an, an event. Someone tells a story, writes a book, or, or makes a film or a TV series about that event uh, with some perspective, and we get to experience that event in a whole different way. How do we get to experience it in a whole different way? Well, I, I think we get to have some sort of perspective on the event. The thing that film does exceedingly well is it gives you a point of view, right? It can put you in the shoes of another human being. It's why I go to the movies. Mm. I want to experience life vicariously through someone else's eyes for, for 100 minutes. And to be able to do that while experiencing on the screen something that's tragic is is part of how we can process it. When did you decide that a film should be made of the telling the story of the Aramoana massacre? Well, actually, I was approached by a producer who is also a friend, and the producer had optioned Bill O'Brien's book, which told the story of Aramoana. I hadn't read the book at that point, so I agreed to read the book, and upon reading the book, I had an understanding of the Aramoana tragedy that went far beyond my understanding before reading the book. <laughs> um, again, storytelling, is mm. it helps us understand, it helps us process, it actually helped me. And I could, I could see two things. Uh, one, I could see that I, th- I felt it was inevitable that this film would be made because the material was, um, was so compelling. Mm. And the second thing is I felt that if it was to be made, it needed to be made responsibly. It needed to be made by someone who could have empathy and basically do it right and I felt you know being from Dunedin and having some concerns actually about how that sort of story might be told in the wrong hands I felt that um, I I, I trusted myself to tell it so I I took on the responsibility Jason's birthday present got your keys got my keys got your head got my head I think don't forget to tell Heather that I want to say I won't Did the community have reservations? Of course, yes, they did. Um, not initially. We went down to, we being um, myself and um, the late Graham Tetley, who, um, who wrote the film, we went down and rented a cottage down there, uh, which happened to be the, the cottage of Eva Dixon, who you know sort of became one of the heroes of the film. And we put out an open call really if anyone wanted to we told people what we were doing uh, or what we were perhaps intending to do at that point it was just an idea I guess and said if you want to come in and talk to us uh, to tell us your stories of course is what we really wanted uh, but also we made it clear to challenge us then come in this is where we are we're here for the week and people did 
overwhelmingly, uh, people came and told us their their stories. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing, um, <laughs> where, and, it's, and this is not the only tragic circumstance that I've um, I've been making. I'm, I'm working on something, and I can't talk about now that is is you know, within a community where there's been a lot of tragedy as well. Mm. And uh, and in in most cases, especially as years pass, people want to talk because in many cases they after several weeks uh, after a tragedy happens uh, they, they sort of stop being asked the questions it's hard to talk they they don't want, they sort of don't talk about it uh, maybe as a coping mechanism and but there's still a kind of a need to talk to you know to 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 get it out to 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 uh, it feels good to talk right so in most cases in Aramana people who came to to visit us wanted to talk and they 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 told us their experience and you know you form you form trust with those people when they do that you know they're sharing something with you and your the the social contract is to um is to not abuse that trust but to you know to be fair um some people and in this case really specifically Chiquita Holden who was a, a child when the the event happened and she lost her her father and her sister came and challenged us and in her challenge, I think she was about 16 or 17, and um, she's a great person. She's bolshy and she's strong-minded and strong-willed. And um, she came and challenged us, and we had a really, you know, truly robust conversation uh, around the right to tell a story, which is, I think, the most interesting question here, and it's, it's not an easy one to answer. Who has the right to tell a story? Uh, do I have a right as a filmmaker to tell the story of her life and her father and her and her and her sister is that a right that i a random person have um well <laughs> when i put it like that i'd go oh, well not really <laughs> especially if she doesn't want it to be told <laughs> uh you know to, <laughs> to be perfectly to be perfectly honest and we went we had a but as a society sometimes certain stories but you know they they, they enter the public domain they're not they're, they're not just one person's story anymore um i probably don't have the right didn't have the right uh, at the point where chiquita was challenging me to tell the story from her perspective from her point of view but that didn't stop me having the right to find a point of view and tell a story from that point of view you know some stories i guess are universal they're in the public domain we we all feel them. Chiquita Holden's stance changed over time. She ended up working quite closely with the production and was one of the community representatives who read the Out of the Blue script before production started. My point is that the film must be, must be made in terms of the film about Muslim experiences and Muslim stories and what they felt and their experiences must be made when they are the central story, mm. when they are the central characters, when the story revolves around their experiences. Arezu Zalipur is an associate professor at the Auckland University of Technology who's written a book about migrant and diasporic film in New Zealand. One of the reasons for this confusion and backlash is that the time is quite complex. The contemporary incidents, indigenous rights, Muslim attacks, black movement, and the increased awareness about race, identity, place across the globe um, have created um, debates and more debates about the indigenous migrant ethnocultural screen content representations and stories in societies. It has made people more sensitive in terms of trying to stop something before it happens. 
even if you don't know what it is yet, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the film industry, and that's a good reminder for the film industry to know that they are not dealing with passive audiences anymore. The way the film industry operates across the world, particularly in Hollywood, um, filmmaking, and the way the stories get to be made into films, from concept development to distribution, the company's economic imperatives, the accessible funding at that time, yeah. the right logistics, the available crew at the right time, and then many other factors that practically allow the film to get produced, to mm. be realized, and the duration of time. All these complex stages, the film development, production, um, leave little space for long and wide consultation with various groups to go and talk to every single people who may share something with the film um, and see their views and bring all that views into the making of the film from the film production perspective, that wouldn't be possible. You can never get everyone's view into the film production. Um, And it is impossible to satisfy, satisfy everyone's opinion. That way, some films, they never get to be made in the first place. What's critical to remember is that these stories, uh, both the stories, whether the film centers on our prime minister or whether the film centers on the affected Muslim families and communities and mosques, they are the New Zealand stories and New Zealand film industry should tell them mm. and not the Hollywood. So that's, that seems to be crucial because I get the impression that uh, maybe a lot of this backlash is the idea that some big wig in Hollywood who maybe has never even been to this country and has never spoken to anybody who's been affected by this is pulling the strings about this story and that if it were a New Zealand production, um, the reaction would be different. Do you get that impression as well? Yes, I did the same. I did, I did get the same impression. Um, some of the backlash could be about just because of the lack of information and the way that it has been communicated uh, with people in general it came to mind uh, at that time when I heard the news that could New Zealand Film Commission get involved in this scenario and how, for instance, they could get involved and help. In other words, how we can try to make the film rather than not to make the film. Mm. What the film that actually... Um, and also trying to understand that here we have two stories. It is not just one story. And both stories belong to New Zealand history and belong to us. And those both stories need to be told. How do you handle such tragic and horrifying subject matter in a way that makes it palatable? In my case, how I I dealt with that was to make it authentic and um, to to, to do everything I I could to make it feel authentic and to only show what I needed to show to tell the story, to Mm. not make it... uh, I mean, I actually wanted Out of the Blue to be the opposite of a Hollywood film. Mm. And um, actually for obvious reasons, you know, I mean, I had a huge sense of responsibility to that community. That's actually what I promised them, that this would be a sensitive retelling of these events and it would focus on community. And it was and it did. So you you don't show things. Get out! Get out! David's got a gun! David's got a bloody gun! Get out! really how you do it. You suggest things, you know, sometimes you have to show violence because that's the the catalyst to, you know, to, to what happened. Mm. But uh, the the way you do that, uh, it can be it can be handled in a in a sensitive way. Stories are important to humans and and stories of of that nature which are about horror and the 
horrifying things that humans can do to each other, but also about bravery and and courage and love are a lot of people not connected with Aramoana at all. Someone on the other side of the world could watch that movie and be touched by it. I don't really have a question there. It's just meandering along. <laughs> no, is it? Oh, it is. I, I like I like questions that aren't questions because they, they um they provoke me to think as well. It is an interesting thought. I th- and and um, you know, it comes back to your question of uh of of why tell a story about a horrific event and 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 usually usually the answer is that under pressure we humans reveal our true selves. We reveal something of who we are and. We only really reveal that when we're put under the most extraordinary of pressure because most of the time, most of us are just, you know, having our breakfast and going to work and, you know, watching some Netflix in the evening. (laughs) You know, we're not put under that extraordinary pressure. I think in the case of uh, Aramoana, that community revealed who it was through this pressure and what they revealed was actually something quite beautiful, I think, and that's, you know, why I felt justified in in, in telling their story, making a film about it. It was, uh, there was there was as much beauty as there was ugliness. Yeah, actually, what happened in Christchurch is similar, where I think as a, as a society and that, that community down there, the Muslim community, really did reveal who they were as well, and it was overwhelmingly beautiful. You know, there was only one thing that was ugly about that day, and we know who that was and what that was. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that I think a film should be made or or it's the right time to make or the people who are considering make it, making it now are the right people to make it. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep those opinions to myself. <laughs> but as a story, uh, as a way of uh, showing who we are, well, <laughs> same reason we made films about war, right? Mm. You know, to, to process the unprocessable. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Jesse Chang. Thanks to Desert Road Films for those clips from Out of the Blue. And thanks to Arizu Zalipur and Rob Sarkis. Matewa.